It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, October 19th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a new report sheds light on teen suicide in Mississippi. And we talk vaccine hesitancy with a Gulf Coast nurse practitioner. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Suicide rates for Mississippi teenagers have nearly doubled within the past few years. That's according to a new report from the United Health Foundation. The report finds that in America as a whole over the same time span, tween, uh, teen suicide has risen by almost or about 26 percent. Sitaniel Wembley is the executive director of the Mississippi chapter of the National Alliance of Mental ha- Illness. She speaks with MPB's Kobe Vance. It's heart-wrenching to think that we are u- losing our young adults when we can prevent it. There are resources out there that can teach young adults what mental illness is and how to spot when they're struggling because we offer those types of classes and support groups and trainings for young adults. So it's very alarming to me as an advocate because that's what I do. I share with the young adults. And then on the other end of it, I think those numbers are rising because, for one, it's how it's being reported. There have been instances in the past where suicide is so taboo and families and communities do not want to recognize that this person has taken their own life. So now I think it's more accurate when they go to a suicide and they they actually write it down correctly. So that will show the numbers rising. Also, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot that goes on with youth. Most people who are going to have a mental illness see their first break between the ages of 14 and 26. That's middle school, high school, and college. And that's 75%. And those statistics are from before COVID. So we know they've changed um, after COVID has hit, and I'm interested to see how that number changes after COVID. But our young adults are struggling, and we have to step up as leaders and as a community to give them what they need and just to be able to have the conversation about mental illness. In terms of the state's response to teen suicide, have you seen any additional efforts to try to address this? We do have some efforts across the state. Um, There is Youth Mental Health First Aid that can be 
offered to any teacher in the state of Mississippi so that they can be trained to recognize the signs and symptoms as well as what to do if they see the signs and symptoms in a young adult. We have an initiative that's called Open Up Mississippi. It's an organization that is geared towards youth, but what we do is try to make sure that they understand what mental health looks like and support them in their journey. So if a young adult is diagnosed with a mental illness, then they can come to us and we can be a safe space for them and they can talk among their peers and they can make issues known to the public that may not be known. For instance, we do learning grows, which is where our young adults pair with the professional in the field, and it may be whatever the topic is, but they share that on our social media and on our website, and that lets other young adults know that they're not alone in the journey. Some of the subjects have been um, teen pregnancy. They're planning to talk about the LBGTQ community and how it affects them as young adults. They've been part of our NAMI National Conference. Suicide Prevention Month, which is in September, and Bully Prevention Week, and then Mental Health Awareness Week. We get our young adults involved in that. And across the state, there are opportunities like that. And then we have um, just in our organization where we're reaching out to different school districts and we're trying to do what's called a Say It Out Loud presentation. And that's where we go into the classroom and into different social settings with young adults, and we have a conversation about mental health and mental wellness. And what I found is that these kids are struggling. These young adults recognize they're struggling, but they don't know what to do because this has been one of those subjects that's not talked about at home. And if we can get it out into the public, we can save a lot of lives just by saying it's okay not to be okay. In terms of the pandemic, how do you think things have changed? I know it's anecdotal. There's no specific data out just yet, but do you think there's been a rise in uh, teen suicide? I think there has because, they're, like I said, they're alone. But I also see a positive side of it because teens are able to see where they're talking about mental health on TV. And that's one of the major topics in the news constantly is the mental health and wellness of the community during this pandemic. But our children need to know in our homes. So, yeah, there there is a negative impact on our young adults because when they were at home and they um, – the idea of the uncertainty of this pandemic is rough on adults as well as children. This is trauma at its finest. I mean, it's an event that we're in. It happened all of a sudden, and we don't see an end in sight. So that's trauma, and we're all going through this together. However, some of our young adults don't have the coping skills necessary, and that's where we have to step up for them. We'll return to our conversation with Satanial Wemley in a moment. You're listening to Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. We're talking with Sataniel Wembley, who's executive director of the Mississippi chapter of the National Alliance of Mental Illness. She tells Kobe Vance teenagers in the state can face unique barriers to accessing mental health care. A lot of the factors are that the young adults are afraid to be different. That's that's one of the major things, stigma. They don't want to be seen as different. They don't want to be seen as bad or broken or that they're not a whole person. 
And that's the major issue for some of them coming forward. And then you have the stigma within the family. Sometimes those young adults are telling their families that they're struggling, and no one in the family is, one, not able to get them help due to insurance or finances, or, two, they're not equipped themselves to be able to have the conversation. So there are quite a few factors. In some cases, transportation to get to treatment. Um, there's an issue that I've found where a lot of people don't have insurance and then their insurance won't cover the treatment. Or the insurance cover the tr- covers the treatment and the deductible is too high. There's just a host of different barriers that is causing individuals from having the access to quality mental health care that's needed. For teens and young adults that do feel alone in their mental illness, how common is you know facing those struggles here in Mississippi? It's very common. Um, one in five live with the mental illness. So that means one out of five people have gone to a doctor about their, their mental illness. And it's important for young adults to know that. It may seem like it's not happening a lot, but it is. And it's not a permanent issue. You can go to the doctor and your mental illness does not have to define your life. It can just be a part of your life. It doesn't have to be who you actually are. You can be, you know, a young adult that lives with the mental illness just as you could be a young adult that lives with diabetes. It doesn't have to take over your life. You mentioned that y'all have programs to help educate teachers and parents about how to identify. What are some of the major uh, ways that y'all are teaching to you know, spot the signs that could help prevent possible suicide? One of the major ones is change in behavior. A lot of times young adults will start to um, isolate. And as a teen, they go through these types of things. And as a young adult, you'll start to see them changing. But if they're isolating from you and their friends, that's a clear indicator they're struggling. If they start to give away valued items, not necessarily valuable in price, but things that they hold near and dear, and they start to give it to others, start to think, why Why would you give that away? You love it. That's your favorite jacket. Things like that. Having reckless behavior, drug and alcohol use, not necessarily what you would think is major changes in a person, but for a person who's in your family or in your household, you see these small changes. And one major indicator is if these things are happening for more than two weeks, that's a mental health crisis. And mental health kind of goes like having um, having physical crisis. If you don't get it checked, over time it just gets worse and worse and worse, and then it becomes something that's a lot worse to deal with. So if you check on what's going on when there's first signs and symptoms, you could easily prevent someone from getting to the point where they're even considering suicide because you can get someone for them to talk to. And oftentimes the media portrays mental illness as, you know, one solution, going to the hospital to have treatment. What opportunities are out there for teens or even young adults to seek out help? Individuals can go to a private practice. You can check your insurance card, call the phone number on the back, and they can lead you to a private practice for your young adult if you wanted to keep it that way. You can call the community mental health centers. The state of Mississippi has some awesome awesome systems of care for young adults, and those systems set up mental health treatment the way that young adults need. There are proven, and then there are also hotlines and resources that Individuals may not know exist. There is a crisis intervention line that is at the Department of Mental Health. You can call in, and if there's a crisis, someone can talk to the young adult about it. 
And if it is a young adult that's in a crisis and you're a family member and you're concerned, you can call that line and get more information. Um, there are hotline and resources for things like abortion, bullying, domestic violence, eating disorder. I mean, there are a host of them, specifically like self-harm. And then there's even the suicide prevention line. And you can text these num these lines as well. So it's important to know that there are resources, and if the young adult is not comfortable, sometimes you just have to give them the information and, and let them know it's out there. Sataniel Wemley is the executive director of NAMI Mississippi. Coming up, we talk vaccine hesitancy with a nurse practitioner on the Mississippi coast. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi has made real progress on COVID-19 vaccinations within the past few months, but about 55% of the state's residents are still unvaccinated against the disease. Data from the Department of Health indicates vaccine hesitancy remains especially intense within Mississippi's Gulf Coast communities. David Hamby is a nurse practitioner at a health clinic on the University of Southern Mississippi's Gulf Coast or Gulf Park campus in Long Beach. He tells us he tries to engineer frank conversations with patients about their vaccine status. Number one thing that I get asked about is the research. As far as has it gone through trial studies, has the uh, vaccine uh, been, you know, shown to be effectively safe? And we have, for the most part, been able to uh, get accurate information to everybody based on uh, the CDC and uh, the NIH. Are they adamant about not getting the vaccine? I wouldn't say adamant, but... I think they're wanting, from their standpoint, I think they want to see, you know, the efficacy and the due diligence from their mind of, the, you know, the the research trial studies being being done. So I, I have a feeling that we might see more people as more study and statistics come out, increasing the numbers of the getting vaccinated. There are a lot of stories flying around out there about mm-hmm. the vaccine, things like sure. it will make mm-hmm. you get COVID. Just all kinds of stories. So if sure. you would address some of the disinformation about these vaccines. Sure. So I, I think the number one thing that we can equate this to as far as how you approach it is the flu vaccine. So you you hear a lot of people saying, oh, I, I got the flu after I got the flu vaccine. It was terrible. So I don't get the flu vaccine anymore. But as we know, with vaccines, the the, the goal is to hopefully where somebody does not catch whatever XYZ disease it is, but to where if they do have an exposure, the symptoms um, and manifestation with presentation is minimal. None of the vaccines are 100%. They're not foolproof. Definitely not. What would you like our listeners to know? Those who haven't been vaccinated, what would you tell them? I would tell them to do their own research from proven safe and reliable sources, CDC, NIH, the Infectious Disease uh, National Institute. I would like to see people like to go out and do the research, you know, make make good informed decisions, seek their primary care provider, 
and people that that have trustworthy information to to make a good informed decision because we we have vaccinated a large percentage of our global population with safe numbers. David Hamby is a nurse practitioner at Gulf Park Health Center in Long Beach and an instructor at the School of Leadership and Advanced Nursing Practice. Thank you so much, David. You're welcome, Karen. Good talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.